so we're going to be opening up God's Word, continuing our series in the book of Acts this week. We are in Acts 2, 1 through 21. So if you can take your Bible, if you don't have one with you or don't have a device, there should be a Bible in your row you can grab. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. And if you're familiar at all with the book of Acts, this might be one of the sections you're most familiar with. It's the day of Pentecost, the day that the promised Holy Spirit is poured out upon the disciples to empower them for mission. So we're going to be looking at this glorious day, this promised day where God once again dwells with his people in a new way by the filling of the Holy Spirit. So if you can get to Acts chapter 2, that's where we'll be. Before we dig into God's word, let's pray, asking him to guide us, asking him to give us understanding of his word, and asking him to give us faith for what he has for us as his people on mission with the gospel. Please join me in praying. God, we are so grateful that you have given us the best gift. That you have given us yourself. You have filled us with your Holy Spirit. So as we today read about how you worked on that day at Pentecost, would you fill us with awe and wonder? Would you give us faith for what you can do through ordinary people? Not because of how great or skillful they are, but because of how powerful and mighty and awesome you are and how kind you are to work through us. God, we need your help to believe. Where we lack faith in what you can do, would you exhort us through your word? Would you cause our hearts and our minds to believe the mighty works that you can do through us? Holy Spirit, would you be with us? Would you be with me as I seek to open your word and have it affect our lives this morning? God, we pray that you would be at work through our church doing mighty things both here in this city and across your great world. God, would you work through us, your people? We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's look together at the word of the Lord in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one of us in his own native tongue? 
Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said, they're filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes the great and magnificent day and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. The day of Pentecost is a historic day for the church. It is the place where we see the guaranteed, the promised sending of the helper, the Holy Spirit. We see that take place at the day of Pentecost. And today we're going to see together, and there's a lot here, right? We're taking a large chunk of Acts chapter 2 together. So there might be some topics that you wish we dug into a little more, um, but unless you want to stay here till about 2, 3 o'clock, um, we're going to try to mine out some of the key things for us today. So yes, there's a lot that can be talked about, and I'm sure there might be some things you were hoping to hear more about, and we'd be glad to talk to you about those things outside of this time. Um, but since we're taking a larger chunk trying to move through the book of Acts, we're going to focus on what is happening here in Acts chapter 2 at the day of Pentecost. So the big idea we're going to pull out today, I'm going to give that to you and kids. As you usually see, there are some underlying things in the big idea today. Those are the most important things. We're going to see that God graciously pours out the Holy Spirit on his people to empower them for mission. God graciously pours out the Holy Spirit on his people to empower them for mission. So we see this filling of the Holy Spirit for those disciples that were together waiting just as Jesus called them to do. And what is the coming of the Holy Spirit? What is that showing us? What is that doing for God's people at that time and for us today? It is showing first that God is with us. God is with us. Jesus talks to the disciples 
preparing them even on his life on earth and after his resurrection that he is going to be departing, leaving from them, but he will not leave them alone. He gives them a promise. See that several places in scripture. We talked about it a couple of sermons ago um, when we were talking in Acts 1.5 and 1.8 as Jesus is preparing to ascend into heaven. He says that the Spirit will come upon them with power and that there'll be witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The, ho- the Holy Spirit, God himself, will be with them. In John 16, as Jesus was preparing his disciples on his walk toward the cross, he said the Spirit, or the Helper, will come to convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. He will guide us into all truth, and he will glorify Jesus. The Holy Spirit will be coming to the followers of Jesus. So God, through his Son, Jesus, made promises that come true. So God is with us, and we see promises come true. These promises that Jesus made to his disciples, that they would not be left alone, but the mission he has called them to, will be, they will be empowered for that mission by the filling of the Holy Spirit. So promises come true. We see prophecy come true as well. Um, here, as Peter exp- is explaining to the crowd towards the end of our section today, He quotes Joel 2, where God declares through the prophet Joel in his time that he will pour out his spirit on all flesh, that it wasn't going to be just a few select servants or prophets, but that he was going to pour out his spirit upon all people who were his, that they were going to do mighty things, not because of who they were, but because of the spirit that would be within them. God is keeping his promises. And when we say God is with us, how do, we, how do we see this? How do we see the Spirit being God's present among us? Well, it's kind of a, if we look at it, I'm sure it would have been somewhat of a frightening scene. Let's look again at the beginning of Acts chapter 2. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. So just think of that. You're sitting in a room, either conversing with other people or praying as Jesus taught them to, waiting for the promise, and all of a sudden, whoosh, loud sounds coming in around them. This wasn't a quiet entrance of the Spirit, but quite the scene, both for those in the house and, as we'll see, those outside of the house. We see God being present like wind, filling the entire house where they were sitting. In other parts of Scripture, we see God's presence through the Spirit and hovering and through breath, alluding to this wind-like presence. In the beginning, as God hovered through his Spirit over the earth, as he breathed breath into Adam in giving life, We see through the Spirit God's very presence in his people. Then another thing that is very unique and would have been a sight to see is these divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. 
It's hard for us to picture, right? I don't think I've ever seen a tongue of fire resting over someone or had that happen to me, but oh, the sight it would have been to see God filling that room by his Holy Spirit and these great signs and wonders to establish the mission of his church. We see the presence of God. We see purifying of his people, and we see power through this sign of divided tongues of fire. God is with them through the presence of God the Holy Spirit. Just as Jesus promised, it has come true for those disciples. God is with them. He has not forsaken them or left them alone. So, what else do we see here? We see that the disciples were waiting. So, God's promises come true, and the disciples were waiting. So, they were sitting in that house. We don't know specifically what house it was. It doesn't say whether it's the upper room that they spent time with Jesus in. But we see that they were together. They were doing what Jesus told them to do. They were waiting for the promised Holy Spirit. They were praying and obeying God. And God blessed them as they were obeying him. We also see other people in this story. So if we're kind of setting the scene, we have the disciples in the upper room. We have the Holy Spirit coming down on his people. And then there were Jews in Jerusalem from many different places. We read in that middle portion all of the different types of places that the people came from that were residing in Jerusalem at that time and celebrating the festival of Pentecost 50 days after Passover. It's also a celebration called the Feast of Weeks, which was a celebration of the harvest, of God's provision of the harvest. So you see many Jews from many places in this scene We see also Romans who are just around visiting. So there are many people gathered and hear this commotion early in the day. So the Holy Spirit comes, descends upon his people, is doing great and mighty things, causing them to speak in ways that they could not speak before of their own volition, but he is filling them, or they are under control of the Holy Spirit, under the influence of the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. So again, a a good way to understand this in light of this passage and in light of other passages, being filled with the the Holy Spirit essentially means being under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Being under the influence of the Holy Spirit. We see this in contrast to some of the mocking that was happening there in the middle portion of our text in verse 13. There were those mocking saying, they are filled with new wine. But Peter comes and says, no, it's not wine. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. And let alone being 9 o'clock in the morning, it's the day of a festival where they're supposed to fast until 10 o'clock. They're not filled with wine. They're not under the influence of alcohol. They're under the influence or filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And again, who was filled with the Holy Spirit? It was not just the apostles, not just the twelve. Just as the prophet Joel prophesied, it was all God's people who were there. Let's look again at this quotation of Joel 2 because it's important to what we see happening here. A promise, a prophecy that was given and fulfilled. In our text today, the quotation is starting in verse 17, if you want to look there. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So through the prophet Joel, God is declaring that this outpouring of his spirit is for all of his people, young and old, male and female, servants, that God is blessing his people not just for their good, but for his glory. What would they do when they were having the Holy Spirit poured out on them? We see that through what happens to the disciples here on the day of Pentecost. The disciples, after they were filled, they were empowered for mission. As Rob talked about several weeks ago, and as kind of our theme for this series through the book of Acts, it's power for mission. Why did God fill his disciples with the Holy Spirit? It is to be on mission with the gospel. It's for God's saving glory. They're empowered for mission, proclaiming God's saving glory. We see here the quotation of Joel 2. And then again, as Paul writes to the church in Rome, In chapter 10, verse 13, that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why are the disciples filled with the Holy Spirit? It's to be on mission with the gospel. It's to proclaim the mighty works of God as we see in verse 11 here in Acts 2. They're speaking in many tongues to many people from different places in the world And what are they saying? It's not just gibberish. It's not just having a conversation, but the purpose of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit is to declare the mighty works of God. And what are those works? If you're here today and don't know much about the Bible or what it says about who God is and what he has done, oh, let me tell you. Let me tell you of the mighty works of God. You see, God created us in his image, declared us very good and precious. And he was in relationship with us from the beginning, but then sin entered into the world and that ruined or marred our relationship with him. But he made promises that he would restore a people to himself 
And all throughout history, as we see recorded in his word, God was doing mighty works in preparation for the day of Jesus Christ and in preparation for this day of the filling of the Holy Spirit to declare those mighty works to the nations. What are God's mighty works? Well, he led a people and protected a people. After Adam and Eve sinned and were cast out of the garden, they were displaced. They had children and were still fruitful and multiplied. But then there was much sin in the world, so much that God was set on destroying the world. And then he sees Noah, a righteous man, not fully righteous, but one who walked with God, and he spared a people. And he made promises to Noah to never flood the earth again. And we see promises down the road to Abraham, promising to bless all nations through his family, doing miracles, causing those who should not have children to have children, doing mighty works, showing his glory and showing his love for his people. He made other promises to Abraham's family. He promised for kings to come and ultimately the final king, King Jesus, to rule over his people and the Messiah who would save his people, Jesus Christ. What are these disciples proclaiming on the day of Pentecost, filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in languages they did not know? They are speaking the mighty works of God for God's glory. So if you today have not known God or are far off or are very aware of your sin, know that there is a God who does mighty works and that through the work of Jesus Christ, you may be reconciled to God the Father, that all who call upon the name of Jesus would be saved. So I ask you today, if you are not following Jesus, trusting in him, Call upon his name, and you shall be saved. This is the message that the Holy Spirit was speaking through those disciples at the day of Pentecost. They were speaking of the mighty works of God. And again, to whom were they speaking? They were speaking to the nations. This was for the nations. This message on the day of Pentecost was for the nations. This is the start of the fulfillment of Acts 1, verse 8, that we read several weeks ago. That they're going to be, they being the disciples, they will be Jesus' witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. As we see Matthew's accounting of the giving of the Great Commission, he tells the disciples to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Who is this message for? Who are these mighty works being told to? It's the nations. And as Luke writes this, he lists a lot of places around the area of Jerusalem. Now we know that these aren't all places on the earth where people are that need to hear the message of Jesus Christ. 
But this is the beginning of showing what the disciples are to do. They are to take the good news of the gospel, these mighty works of God, and proclaim them to people of every tribe and tongue and nation and trust that God is going to do a great work by the power of his Holy Spirit, saving a people for his glory from all over the place. Oh, church, These disciples were empowered for mission to the nations to proclaim the glory of God through his saving work. So again, this sermon isn't going to go into all of the nitty-gritty details of the day of Pentecost, but the things we need to take away are that, that God is filling his disciples pouring out his Holy Spirit on his people to empower them for mission to the nations. So for us, as we hear and remember and see the day of Pentecost, what does it mean for us? So we're going to kind of go back to the day of Pentecost and work through. We should pray and long for God to fill us with the Holy Spirit. What does this mean for us? We should pray and long for God to fill us with the Holy Spirit. Church, as I was reading God's word this week and preparing, I was rebuked by the example of the disciples of waiting and desiring and longing for the presence of the Holy Spirit. So maybe it's mostly an exhortation for me, but I'm trusting that God is working in similar ways to you as we see this magnificent, this glorious day of the filling of the Holy Spirit and God doing great works through his people. When is the last time that you prayed for God to fill you with the Holy Spirit? When was the last time that you earnestly desired to be under the influence of of the Holy Spirit. I know sometimes when we're taking time to pray in our days, we ask God to do certain things for us, whether it's going to be a difficult day at work or difficult day with family or you need God's provision to meet this need or there's this medical issue is happening and you need God's blessing and healing and those are not bad things. But are you earnestly praying that God would fill you with his Holy Spirit to be empowered, to be on mission with the gospel? This shouldn't be a one-day thing. This should be a daily occurrence. We need to be relying on the power of the Holy Spirit to empower us for mission day by day. Yes, we see in our salvation and even as we looked at the topic of sanctification a couple of months ago and how the Holy Spirit works through sanctifying us, we need a continual outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Yes, the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to the glory of the gospel and and awakens our hearts and causes us to be alive when we were once dead in our trespasses and sins. But we need to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Church, are you asking God to fill you with the Holy Spirit? 
another thing that this passage means for us is that we should trust that God can do miraculous things through ordinary people. God can do miraculous things through ordinary people. Again, let's go back and see Peter's recounting of Joel 2. This is showing us that it was not just a special small selections of prophets or just the 12 apostles, but God pours out his Holy Spirit to many different types of people, young and old, sons and daughters. We see through the rest of Scripture that it's not just Jews who would be saved, but it would be Gentiles as well, that we have been blessed by the very presence of God through the Holy Spirit, that God is with us. And if God is with us, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, do we believe that God can do miraculous things through us? That as we pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit, do we believe that God can do miraculous things through us? Church, throughout history, there have been different times of revival across the world, of special outpourings of the Holy Spirit in places and times where God's mighty works are proclaimed and many people turn to Jesus. Do you believe that can happen where you are? Do you believe that can happen now where we live and when we live? I think one of the things that I wrestle with when considering the work of the Holy Spirit through me and in my life is I am filled with doubt. God, you couldn't possibly have a day similar to this today through me proclaiming the good news of Jesus. I'm happy as I stand here and proclaim God's mighty works to you if one would come to me and say, that mighty work you proclaimed, God is doing something in me. And that, that brings me joy, right? That is a miracle. But church, do we have faith that God, if we are faithful and asking him to fill us with his Holy Spirit, do we believe he can do mighty work saving many people right here where we are in Philadelphia and the surrounding area? Do you believe and trust that God can do miraculous things through an ordinary person like yourself? If you don't, pray. Ask God to give you faith that he can and will work through you, not through your own strength, but through the outpouring and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Just like the day of Pentecost, God can do miraculous things through us as he enables us to proclaim the mighty works of God wherever we are. Next, what does this mean for us? It means that we should boldly proclaim the good news to all nations until he returns. This is going to be a theme throughout Acts, and I know Rob has talked about this already But what are we to do with this good news that Jesus has given to us, these saving mighty works? We're to take them to the ends of the earth until Jesus returns. 
As God fills you with his Holy Spirit, we don't just keep it in our section of the globe, our section of this country, our section of this city. But oh, would God be stirring in our hearts a longing to see his mighty works proclaimed across the globe. So as a church, would you consider how God would have you, being empowered by the Holy Spirit, would you consider how you could boldly proclaim the good news to all nations until he returns? Consider how you could boldly proclaim the good news to all nations until he returns. Well, similar to Jerusalem, you may not even have to leave our city to do this. Those dwelling in Jerusalem, some may have been there traveling on a pilgrimage to observe the day of Pentecost, this feast, and some may have been residents relocating back to Jerusalem from these different sections of the known world. Here in our city and the surrounding areas, we have many people from many nations right around us. Would you consider how you can boldly proclaim by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus' good news to the nations? We're connected with a program called Grow Northeast, which teaches English as a second language, but it's so much more than that. Yes, they are teaching a skill that is useful to this new land they are coming to, but it is teaching them through God's word and revealing the mighty works of God through education of English as a second language. If you don't feel God is calling you to move to proclaim the good news of Jesus to the nations, talk to Sue DeHart. She can tell you how you can assist or teach at Grow Northeast, and make the name of Jesus famous to the nations right here in our city. Boldly proclaim the good news to all nations until he returns. And I'm going to add my amen to Rob's exhortation a few weeks ago. As we pray for God's empowerment and filling of the Holy Spirit, are you praying how God could maybe use you to sacrifice your life in service to him? Whether you're a college student considering what's next or whether you're a family desiring earnestly to serve God and lay down your lives or whether you're a child who has been saved by the grace of God and considering what do I dream about doing one day? We, your pastors, want the story of this church to be a story not only of planting churches in our city, but sending people across the globe proclaiming the mighty works of God. Would you be praying and asking God, God, would you be sending me somewhere else, somewhere where I do not know the language, I do not know the people, but you have laid them on my heart to proclaim the good news of Jesus where it is not yet known. One thing the day of Pentecost, this mighty outpouring of the Spirit, one thing it should draw out of our hearts is a desire to boldly proclaim the good news of Jesus to all nations until he returns, just as he commanded us to do. 
And then finally, as I was considering this passage this week, it grew my longing and my confidence that God keeps all of his promises and made me long so much more for the return of Jesus. What do we see here on the day of Pentecost? It is a promise that was made and a promise that was kept and delivered. Oh, that's the story of God, isn't it? He's made promises to his people, and though they are unfaithful, he has remained faithful to all of his promises. This passage this week has caused me to have confidence all the more that God will keep his promises and will return for us and will bring us to himself to live with him forever in intimate, unfettered fellowship with him. Church, this fulfillment of God's promise to pour out his spirit upon his people, does it give you confidence that God will complete the work he has promised he will do? If you're going throughout your days wondering what God is up to, wondering if God even sees what's going on, whether in your life or our city or our country or in the world, Take a look at what God has promised and what he has done and that he is a God who always keeps his promises. He has promised to come back for us. He has promised that the day of the Lord, the day of judgment, will be coming. And he has promised that he is saving a people for himself who will celebrate around the throne of the Lamb and will worship him and enjoy a feast that will be beyond our imagination. Oh, church, does this promise that was kept on the day of Pentecost, does this make your heart have confidence that God is going to keep all of his promises? This week it has for my soul done that very thing. That the God who has made covenants with an unfaithful people has kept them and delivers on every single thing he has promised. And ultimately that is for his glory, but it is also for our joy, our delight, and our good. So the day of Pentecost we see God graciously pouring out his Holy Spirit upon his people, both young and old, men and women, people like us. And again, what were they to do under the influence of the Holy Spirit? They proclaimed to the nations the mighty works of God and saw, as we'll see next week, as Chris preaches about the sermon that Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost, many, many, many people are saved through the working of the Holy Spirit empowering the disciples for mission. So again, what do we see? God graciously pours out the Holy Spirit on his people to empower them for mission. Church, pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Trust that God can do miraculous things through ordinary people. 
boldly proclaim the good news to all nations until he returns, and have confidence that God keeps all of his promises, and have your hearts long and yearn for Jesus' return. Let's pray. God, we are grateful. We are grateful to you for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit upon your people. That Jesus, as you commanded your disciples to wait, they did not have to wait long. That you, God, our great and kind God, have fulfilled your promise to not leave us as orphans but that you dwell with us through your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you fill us? Would you cause us to be under your influence, proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ? Would you cause us not to be tempted to fill ourselves with other things, whether physical or with what we watch or what we read? Would you cause us to say no to alcohol and gluttony? Would you cause us to say no to things to pervert our minds and our souls and our bodies? But would you cause us to repeatedly ask and desire to be filled with your Holy Spirit? And God, we ask as your people here in Northeast Philadelphia, that you would do mighty works proclaiming your good name right here where we are and across this great world that you have created. Would you save many people through our proclamation? Would you empower us for the mission that you have called us to, just as you did the people on the day of Pentecost? Would you cause us to have confidence that you can do miraculous things and that you indeed are coming back for us and that until you do so, you have given us work to do? Would you help us to do that work? Oh God, you are great and mighty and deserve to be worshipped and praised by all peoples that you have made. Would you cause our hearts to long and desire to proclaim your greatness to the nations? We need your help to do this, and you have promised to give it, and you have given it to us. You have given us yourself, your Holy Spirit. Would you fill us now as we sing of the glories of our great God? Would you remind us as we take communion together that you, Jesus, laid down your life for us and have not left us alone, but you have united us to yourself through your death and resurrection. Oh God, we are a grateful people. Would you help our gratefulness overflow to praise and to proclamation? And would you bless, by the power of your Holy Spirit, our proclamation of the good works that you have done? Would you cause a revival in our city, causing many people to trust Jesus and call upon his name to be saved? Oh God, where we are struggling to believe, help our unbelief. We pray all these things trusting in our Savior Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.